napkins. Once there was a load on, however, the butty was towed further behind. The snubber, or towing rope, extended seventy feet between the two, and it was necessary to steer almost all the time to prevent the butty veering from side to side out of control. On a long pound with no locks, Bobby came back and steered, jumping off the Esther Jane under a bridge hole where the cut narrowed right down, then leaping easily onto the Theodore as it came past. Without Bobby, life would have been impossible. Even before Ada and Esther were born, Mary Ann found the days a long succession of strains and stresses. There never seemed to be a moment when she could relax. As well as keeping the boats moving and steering, there were constant thoughts of, Oh, I must make a cup of tea, or I must get the dinner on, or the stove and floor need cleaning, or Sally and Ezra are bored and roaring on the cabin roof not to mention all the washing, mending and shopping she had to catch up with when they stopped to unload. She had forced herself to develop the other boatwomen's ability to perform several tasks all at once. Everyone did it, there was no choice. You'd tuck the helm, or ellum, as the boaters called it, under one arm, and with the dipper full of water and potatoes on the roof, stand and peel them as you went along. Or you'd sew or splice ropes, whatever was needed. There was one woman she saw sometimes with a sewing machine in action on the cabin roof while she steered her butty boat. This particular trip, they had a good road. There were so many possible calamities and delays on the cut. Clogged propellers, other boats stuck in locks, or bridge holes when the water was low, locks all set against you, not to mention foul weather, that they had developed a patient fatalism which overlay the general need to get a load on and keep moving. They reached Juxon Street Wharf in Oxford, a bit later than hoped, after a delay on the second day with a snarled propeller south of Duke's Cut. As the men began unloading, Mary Ann set off, a twin under each arm, and Sally and Jolie beside her to go and find Grandad. The chores could wait a few minutes while she went to the little terraced house in Adelaide Street nearby to tell old Darius Bartholomew that they'd tied up at the wharf. The old man never missed a possible moment on his old home, the Esther Jane. The door was opened by his sister, Mrs. Simons, a rosy-cheeked, sweet-natured woman who still had a look of the boatwoman she once was, her stout body dressed in a dark blue skirt, topped by a rusty red woolly. Her feet were pushed into baggy old slippers to ease her bunions. Oh, hello, my dear. Oh, my goodness me, look what we have here. She gazed, astonished at the sight of Marianne's face smiling out between those of the two babies. Come in, come in, hello, Jolie, Sally, Ezzy. How are you, my dears? Oh, Darius, look who's here. You'll be wanting to see. Oh, come on through, he's having a snooze by the fire, she added. Though Mrs. Simons had not lived on the cut for many years now, her back room looked like a home from home, a larger version of a narrowboat cabin with its gleaming range and colourful peg rug, and plates, their filigreed edges threaded with ribbons and photographs and brasses displayed all over the walls. Mary Ann's father-in-law was getting out of his chair by the fire. Darius was in his shirt sleeves and adjusted his braces as he smiled shyly. Marianne was always delighted to see him. He looked just the same, she thought, lined face, suntanned even in winter, the white beard and long white hair round his bald crown. 
the same sinewy, if slightly stooped stance. His deep blue eyes lit up with pleasure at the sight of them all. Well, now, lass, what have we got here? Though he knew Marianne had been expecting, this was the first time they'd been to Oxford since the girls arrived. Look at these two, Alice Simons exclaimed. Here, your arms must be pulled out of their sockets. Put them down on my chair. Mary Ann laid the girls down, and they kicked and gazed round, stimulated by the faces looking down at them. Esther smiled and blew bubbles. Ada kicked and moved her head, trying to see everything. This one's Esther, Mary Ann said softly. The old man's wife, Joel's mother, his best mate for years on the cut, had been called Esther Jane. When she died, he'd renamed the boat in her honour.